You're now listening to the Fake Baseball Podcast. Welcome to the Fake Baseball Podcast. We are in to the championship series week of baseball. Finally, we got a Texas Rangers versus Houston Astros game going on right now as we speak. Just finished, actually. Did it really? What's two zero four? Rangers? Well, I don't know what the final was, but Rangers are up two zero. Final five Love to see four. it. Sorry Love to interrupt. To see it. No, you're good. If somebody from our division has got to uh, to go to the World Series, it may as well be the Rangers instead of the Astros. That's right. Uh, but as always, I am Blake Meyer. Back again, doing what I absolutely love to do. And with me, as always, is my man, Dylan Liddell. How are you doing today, Dylan? I'm doing good, Blake. I'm doing good. But I should probably ask, how are you doing after I just handed you this ass whooping in our fantasy football <laughs> league? Mr. Ofer, uh, Mr. Owen. You know, uh, this is one of those leagues where I am glad... But it is it's a unreal, dynasty style league. Holy shit. So I really got to worry about it. Uh, this is also why I do, I specialize in fantasy baseball, not fantasy football. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just been one wild ass fantasy football season. It's killing me. I, not gonna, I'm over in two different leagues. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And one league, I'm two and four. One league, I'm three and three. That's my best record, is three and three. That's a shame. That's it's a tough been, sled this year. I know, man. And it it's what I get for just raking it in in fantasy baseball this year. <laughs> you know, I, I think I won fair. three leagues and came in second in another league this year. I just had to so, get you back. I just had to get you back. You had to. You had to because I put a beat yeah, down you, on you in yeah, the finals. You, you, put, so, you put the beat down where it mattered. You put it down in the championship. It all comes this full circle. Six. I know. I'm you, you know, I might go on some kind of crazy run and just meet y'all in the playoffs and then be a juggernaut. You never know. Or I might just trade my team away. What are the other? I guess I got some trade offers in my inbox right now. No one these guys you probably do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was getting uh hey, you want to trade uh Dak Prescott messages at like two thirty AM. So the the struggle is real in the fantasy <laughs> football world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the fantasy baseball world we figured with this episode, we would pull back the curtain a little bit and kind of deep dive into our process going into a season. Uh, this would be more of a process for like um, end of season evaluation of players and looking forward <clears throat> to 2024 and how we can translate things from this year to next year. Uh, we're going to kind of dive into the things that we look for, the things we don't look for, the numbers we like and don't like, uh, and things that correlate in ways that maybe you may miss. Uh, and this may help you guys kind of open your eyes a little more. Um, I do the uh, rankings for Fantasy Pros on their expert ranking committee. I am one of the cool members of that. I don't get to flex that very often, so I just wanted to shout that out real quick. Uh, so I do have a extensive process when it comes to evaluating and ranking players. And we figured, why not just talk about that and and get into it? And I figured the easiest way to do that is probably to start off with some players that uh, we evaluated coming into this season where our evaluations went right. I'm not a giant victory lap person because uh, in the words of my buddy Mike Curland, 
we're supposed to get it right. So victory lapping when you get something right is essentially just saying, hey, look, I did my job. But sometimes it can be okay when you're trying to explain how you got to uh, a conclusion with a player. The biggest one for me this year was Yandy Diaz. I was riding the Yandy Diaz hype train coming into the 2023 season. He did a lot of things in 2022 that I don't think flew under the radar, but they weren't getting the attention that I think they needed to. And it's mainly because his power numbers weren't there in the home run department. And so he seemed kind of less valuable to a lot of people. But I mean, if you just want to take into account the things I, I checked out on him in the second half that I really liked, first of all, I like an average exit velocity, a high average exit velocity because dudes that hit the ball hard do well. Um, Good things happen when you hit the ball hard. Exactly. And not to ramble, but I saw um, Brent Rooker's been firing off tweets for the last couple weeks now. Very fun follow on Twitter or X, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, All-star outfielder for the Oakland Athletics. Somebody asked him his thoughts on exit velocity and if it matters to him. Uh, And he said... Uh, one thing everybody needs to take into account that the people that finished first and second in average exit velocity this year are the two players that are going to win MVP. So it obviously, hmm. it obviously matters a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so in that second half of 2022, Yandy Diaz had an average exit velocity of almost 94 miles an hour, which would have put him in the like 98th percentile in baseball over that span. 7.3% barrel rate, which 7% is essentially uh, league average but he had a 53% hard hit rate. Um, He was a guy that had good zone, a good feel for the zone. Um, He had a a walk rate, 2% higher than the strikeout rate, which is rare. It was tearing the cover off the ball. Somebody like that uh, is somebody that raises a lot of green flags for me coming into a season. Uh, It's somebody that can get the bat on the ball, uh, doesn't swing at a lot of pitches outside the zone, and just tears the cover off the ball. Do you check out average exit velocity much during the season, or is it something that you've kind of dabbled with at all? Uh, well, exit velocity, like I said, it the more often you can hit the ball hard, the more often you're going to be rewarded for that. So looking at Yandy Diaz, he's always been a guy that's going to hit the ball hard. It's just not been the power numbers that's been showing up for him, but it's the 22 home runs that finally flash for him. He's always had the good swing. He's always been a good hitter, just not a great power hitter. And so the fact that we we're able to see him do this this year is very encouraging going forward. And this this is what we're doing it for is so we can find these guys before the the bandwagon opens up. Yeah, Yandi was the guy that was getting drafted as like the – I mean, he was first and third base eligible in fantasy, and he was getting drafted as like the 17th to 20th at both positions. Uh, And he ended the year, I think he was top five in third base and top eight in first base. Don't quote me on that. It's somewhere right around there. Just killed it. Uh, But that's what happens when like, you take that, that hot second half that he had in 2022. You correlate it to this year for the full season. He had an average exit velocity of 93.4 miles an hour, 9.5% barrel rate, 54% hard hit rate. 
he essentially took that second half from the year before and the changes he made and put it to use this year. And it ended up with 22 home runs and a 330 batting average, which I don't think many people expected Yandy to do coming into this year. And to top it off, I mean, he's not necessarily swinging at a ton of pitches. He swings at 42 and a half percent, which is like, it's a decent amount. He's got a good feel for the zone. He's only chasing pitches about 23% of the time, but he makes zone contact 90% of the time, which is big. When you are barreling the ball up that, when you are hitting the shit out of the ball and you're making contact with 90% of the pitches you swing at in the zone, good things happen. And so finding guys that have the ability to do that, like a Yandy Diaz are huge. Now I don't have a name for you guys right now where I'm like, Ooh, this person in the second half killed it. We'll, we'll have those names for you guys eventually. Uh, right now we don't have that, but right now covering the process of how we kind of come to the conclusions that we do on players is important because if you want to be a successful fantasy baseball player in 2024, you should already be studying now Give yourself what four or five <clears throat> months worth of homework, essentially. So when you get to your drafts next year, you're just fucking ready to go. Like you're you've got names, you know what round this dude's picked in. That's right. You know you like him better than him, and you're gonna dominate those guys that come in like four days before the draft and look at the the fantasy baseball <clears throat> index that they picked up at Fred Meyer <laughs> or Kroger, wherever you're from. Right. Yeah. So, and so this is all stuff that, um, well, not, and you're still teaching me a lot of this as we go along. You, you know, a lot. And so this was actually my first season of playing. I mentioned this in this last episode. And so I, to start was just going off of like 15, 30 day trends and averages and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's fine. But actually going in deep diving into fan graphs, looking at Savant, stuff like that, preparing that way, it, it, it goes a long ways because the numbers don't lie. And if you can spot out positive tendencies for these players and spot stuff, maybe the rest of the community or the other people aren't seeing that's advantage you. Yeah. And the thing is a lot of your favorite fantasy analysts, we all use the tools that you as a listener all use as well. Right. Yeah. All accessible. We don't have some crazy behind the scenes. Some guys do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like, uh, minor league stat cast data. You got to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody to get your hands on stat cast data from like double and single a, and even a lot of triple a teams. You can get single game, triple a data now for stat cast, uh, but you can't get like cumulative for the year stats. So you got to be in the know, but outside of that, like a lot of us just use all of the things that you guys use. The difference is knowing all of these stats inside out finding the stats that you like that correlate to success, knowing uh, when, when a player is going to have those prime matchups where they can take advantage of things like that. It's research, 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 research. And the reason that like baseball analysis for me is so fun is because there is so much data, which can be overwhelming for a lot of people. There is so many different stats at this point that it, a lot of it just feels overwhelming. I thrive in that. 
Like I absolutely know that's what that. I mean. Like, and you're really good at that and breaking it all down, explaining it, what it means. That's, that's awesome. Um, if you're able to find, like you mentioned exit velocity, that's a big one for you. If you're mm-hmm. able to find those numbers that just work for you and are consistent for you, go for it. But like you, you know, all these numbers and know what they mean. And so the more we can get down into these numbers and know what they actually mean, that's going to help us all out. Yeah. And I guess just a simple, if you want to expand on exit velocity and kind of the things we already talked about, a simple kind of trio of things that you can pinpoint in a guy that could be successful is high exit velocity, good barrel rate, and a good contact rate. And some of this stuff sounds so simple. Like, of course, the guy that has a high exit velocity and barrels the ball up more and makes good contact is going to be successful. But it's not always that simple because a lot of these guys don't have great contact rates, but they can still put up numbers. Uh, Max Muncy doesn't have great contact rate. He has great plate discipline. He swings and misses at a lot of pitches, which leads to a lot of strikeouts, which leads to not the greatest batting average, but he is a second base eligible player. Hits that's bombs. gonna hit 35 dingers. <laughs> exactly. You gotta pick and choose your yeah, you gotta pick and choose your spots. Not not every player is created perfectly, and so you just gotta find the right balance for everybody. And you don't wanna go heavy in certain areas. You don't wanna have an all slugger lineup if you're playing a a league like that, or because you'll mm-hmm. struggle in other areas. So you, you do wanna make sure you are balancing out yourself well. Yeah, and I think a good foundation for building a good – well, I mean, we can get into each league type as well. Like points league, yeah, obviously a good yeah. foundation is guys with low strikeout, high walk rate, things like that. But uh, if you're going into like a categories type league, uh, you want to kind of build based off batting average, which seems counterintuitive because batting average is one of the least um, – what's the word I'm looking for? The, it's one of the most volatile stats. Like a guy could hit, Yandi hit 330 this year. Yandi could hit 260 next year. And his batting average is 70 points down. But if you build off of guys that have the ability to hit for a high average that went through the second half of the prior year and had good contact numbers, made better contact, swung at less pitches outside of the zone, but also have pop. Then you you get into these guys that you've built this base of batting average. So they're likely, if they can build off of what they did the year before, they're likely going to get on base more the next season. Uh, on base more leads to more runs and more RBIs. They have points, pop. Points, so, points. Exactly. <laughs> they got pop, so continuing the, the extra base hits, all of a sudden some of them singles turn into doubles. Points. Doubles turn into home runs. Points. And... So building like from that base, again, counterintuitive to what a lot of people will tell you. Uh, It works for me, though. Uh, Building from that base and then building out from the batting average helps a lot. And again, uh, it comes down to average exit velocity, contact rate. I like zone contact rate because I think um, contact rate on pitches outside of the zone is also very volatile. It's kind of a very weird stat. Like 
if a dude makes contact outside of the zone 68% of the time, is that a high number? Yeah, that's a pretty high number, but also a lot of that's not good contact. So it's not something that I really, that really gets me excited. So I like zone contact. Can they hit pitches that are in the zone? Because Swinging that good pitches. pitches to hit. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Control the zone. Yeah. <laughs> As Jerry DePoto and Scott Service Fuck. like to tell us, I, I'm still hurting about Moving Jerry DePoto. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get hurt, to, hurt anymore. Uh, somebody else that controls the zone well on both offense and defense. Uh, there's another guy that we kind of <clears throat> were big on coming into the year. I think a lot of people were high on Adley Rutschman. Um, we were admittedly probably a little higher. Again, not a victory lap, but uh, for me on my fantasy pros ranking coming into the season, I had Adley Rutschman as my number one ranked preseason catcher for fantasy baseball. And he ended up going down as the number two fantasy baseball catcher. Whiffed. He had a really, really good year. Uh, first catcher in baseball to have 30 doubles and 20 home runs since uh, JT Ramuto in 2019. I think he's the only one not named JT Ramuto since like 2013 to go 30 doubles and 20 home runs in a season. And he did a lot of the things that you knew he could do like he had a walk rate of 13 and a half percent strikeout rate, 14 and a half percent plays crazy in a points league right there. He hit 277, drove in a good amount of runs, went 80 and 80 in the RBIs and runs scored. That's kind of the threshold for like a pretty above average uh, fantasy option. If they can go 80 runs, 80 RBIs, that's a good amount of counting stats for a season. And speaking of, controlling the zone like we talked about uh like his plate discipline is absurd uh adley rushman zone contact this year 92 and a half percent outside the zone contact i know i said i wasn't a big fan of it i'm not at all but for those of you that are 77 percent of the pitches he swung at outside of the zone he made contact on again it's not going to end up being the greatest contact but it did happen i uh, had an 86 percent contact rate overall he does a great job of putting the bat on the ball. And his his stat cast numbers aren't necessarily anything to write home about. 7.5% barrel rate, bad average. 88-mile-an-hour uh, average X velocity. I think, honestly, that is average, like right on the dot. But he had a 290 expected batting average and a 466 expected slugging. Both are about 20 points higher than the numbers he actually put up on the year. He is an on-base machine that has shown now that he has 20 home run ability. Were you expecting this kind of season from Adley coming into the year? Did he surprise you a little bit? Uh, no, I don't think I was surprised. Um, the Adley has been a guy. I think that's been on everybody's radar since he's been at OSU. So him putting together a, a breakout campaign like he did actually wasn't all too surprising for me. The only thing about it is it's really, really hard finding a reliable, productive catcher, mm -hmm. especially in this day and age with the 
the beating they take behind the plate and all that, the wear and tear with the pitching staff, having to do with that side of the game as well. So the fact that he's able to tie all that in together and produce as much as he did at the plate was pretty pretty impressive but I can't say that, uh, say that I was surprised because he he's always had this potential he's always been a guy that's hit um, he's a switch hitter um, yeah Adley Rutschman's the dude he's, he's gonna be a good one for a long time yeah it's good to point out that he's a switch hitter too because he's an actual like successful switch hitter that does well from both sides of the plate uh, which he proved in the home run derby when he, he hit a dinger from both sides yeah. of the plate um, a lot of these switch hitters, like Cal Raleigh, I fucking love you, big dumper, but you need to just be a lefty. <laughs> My man, you have no power from the right side of the plate. Not that Adley has immense power either. No, he, everybody's got their power side. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got the power side. But Adley's able to hit 300 from one side and then go 270 on the other side. Yeah, You may not have the power numbers, but you're going to find your way on and get base hits. So he hit... 304 um, first less so uh, on the right hand side and then on the left hand side hit 267. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, and again, a lot of Adley's numbers, uh, if you break it down to like the second half of 2022, his numbers this year in 2023 were very similar to the second half Adley Rutschman numbers of 2022 a lot of these guys whether something clicks halfway through the season which can be the case for like an Adley Rutschman like he's he didn't necessarily start slow but he started slow ish last year and it kind of clicked for him in the second half uh guys like Yandi Yandi actually made tweaks to his swing in the second half of last season to get more lift on the ball and help him make that little bit of better contact so you've got to kind of pay attention to guys that do tweak their swings, see if it goes well. But somebody that's young, like an Adley, things just clicked. Uh, and in that second half, go right back to the contact, 92% zone contact, 73% contact outside the zone. Uh, he was only getting 37% of his pitches in the zone, but making immense contact. Uh, and in that time frame, he hit 278 with 20 doubles and eight home runs and stole a couple bases too. So his second half 2022 correlated very well to his full season of 2023. And these are these things that you can notice in the off season, because again, we have no regular season baseball until the end of March. So like you have months and months and months and months to spot these trends in players to pinpoint guys that granted, nobody was overlooking Adley, uh, but coming into the season, I think Adley was being drafted as the number five catcher, which is fine. That That's great. He's, he was being drafted as the number five. Everybody thought he was going to be really good. But the trend suggested that Adley could actually be the best catcher in fantasy baseball. He fell just short. But it was a crazy season. And there's not a single person that drafted Adley this season that was disappointed in the slightest. He was good the entire year. Always gets so, the bat on the ball. Right. Great. Comparing to a guy, Yandy Diaz, he had been around. He had been with Cleveland before, gets traded over to Tampa, been around the league, had some minor league time. Adley, not much minor league time, comes up to the bigs rather quick. Do you, um, would you rather take shots on 
the youth rising stars like Adley or guys that have shown consistency, not maybe the oldest players, but are starting to like get into their um, prime years, I guess. Well, which guys are you more comfortable taking the shot on or would you take the shot on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, like probably, if it came down to it, like, yeah, you had a veteran catcher that we'll get into next going into next year or like an Adley, just give or take. Um, see, that's tough. Probably I would lean towards the young guy. Yeah, me too. Because young guys like Adley uh, in college and the minor leagues have shown that they have a special ability, and which a lot of guys do in the minor leagues. Uh, Dustin Eckley, uh, they look really good. Not everybody hits. It's yeah, true. Exactly. It's, yeah, especially in baseball, the hit rate in baseball is so low. Yeah, and so especially when you see these, these guys come up, talented guys. Yeah, yeah. When you see them come up and beyond the eye test like you just see like they get it like even if they Mm -hmm. started a little slow they get it i would rather take one of those guys because their floor is a lot higher than somebody like ayandi diaz coming into 2023 he could have been a total miss he's had his bad seasons before so his floor coming into the year was pretty low Mm -hmm. adley's floor was not that low so these young guys have a higher floor and can have a higher ceiling. And when it comes down to it, even if their ceiling ends up being the same, like Adley and Yandi have like the same ceiling, Adley still ends up being for me a safer pick just because it, you can see that it's there. Like the talent mm-hmm. is there. He can hit major league pitching. So he's already going to be here. Yandi right. could be way down here. And you're screwed. You you lost a draft pick. Granted, Yandy was getting drafted like 200, so you didn't right. really lose no. That and ADP pick, ADP is the biggest thing that probably yeah. comes in down to it for sure. But no, it was just some that came to mind struck me. Yeah, I, I think some of these younger guys they just had that higher floor, which is very important in a lot of fantasy settings, especially at positions like catcher that are Slim. kind of a weird position. Yeah. Slim, slim in the elite options at the top. There's like a lot of options that are average, but the elite options are very, very slim. And that's what we want. Exactly. You want to pinpoint those guys that can finish in that elite tier at the top. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then another guy coming into this season that uh, I was very high on. Um, I wrote a What was my article for Fantasy Pros? Uh, Blake Myers must have players for the 2023 Fantasy Baseball season. And I believe William Contreras was on that list. I know coming into the season, I had him as my number seven catcher. I thought he could easily finish as a top five catcher. And, dude, he ended up as the fucking number one catcher in Fantasy Baseball. Which yeah, I, I I dropped him right <laughs> at that yeah right at the peak, dude. I could not when I saw that you dropped him, it was one of those like that oh shit killed moments. me. <laughs> I don't know what made me yeah. And see, there was probably something hiding that I didn't know about at the time because this was probably back in what June July right 
somewhere around there. Yep. And I picked Dalton Varsho coming down to it. I roster decision had to make the choice between the two. I went with Varsho over him, and that was a terrible decision. Yeah, and uh, this is a lesson in pay attention to the waiver wire and kind of stick with your stick with your guys. Uh, you dropping Contreras helped me so much in mm-hmm. ways. It was like the butterfly effect. You well, no, I mean, Contreras. yeah, it's the catcher. Like they they just don't come around. And the fact that I dropped the one, I dropped <laughs> the one. <laughs> yeah, and he ended up. Like I had Sean Murphy at the time. I had just traded for <laughs> no, I drafted Sean Murphy. I had Sean Murphy on my team. You drafted Contreras. I don't even remember who I dropped. I picked up Contreras. So I had both. It doesn't matter who you dropped. <laughs> and I I ended up I flipped Sean Murphy for Framber Valdez. So I solidified my pitching even more. And I got to keep Wilson Contreras, who down the stretch ended up as the best mm-hmm. catcher in fantasy baseball. From June first through the oh, end of the Sean. season, this is gonna hurt for you. Um, he hit 308 with 30 doubles, 11 home runs. The big man stole six bases. <laughs> he scored 68 runs and drove in 60 RBI. My biggest thing with him this season was the fact that he played for Atlanta and obviously he had those crazy home run numbers last year that seemed like he was not going to be able to keep up. Uh, He hit 20 home runs in 97 games. Not many people can keep up that pace. Uh, But what a lot of people didn't really take into account was that moving to Milwaukee, he got a much better ballpark for right-handed hitters than he had in Atlanta. So he went to a much more favorable park where he's all of a sudden going to play 81 games. He had underlying numbers where he was a little swing happy. So he swung a lot more pitches than you kind of wanted him to, but he made okay contact and it felt like all the contact he made was hard on uh, this mm-hmm. season. 91 mile an hour average exit velocity. Yeah. Barrel rate went down to 9%, but his hard hit rate went up to 48%, which was the yeah. highest of his career. He did everything and it's one of those ones where you look at a guy that kind of overachieved in 2022 and you're like man 20 home runs in 97 games he's leaving atlanta to go to milwaukee which is probably i mean before the season it's probably a worse lineup so how is he gonna do in that lineup but then you dig deeper and it's like okay that's a much more beneficial ballpark for right-handed hitters it's not Uh, like milwaukee had a bad lineup either like they still made the postseason like granted they were a pitching team but no that Milwaukee still had some bats there, too. Yeah, Roddy Telez, Bryce Terang, Joey Weimer, Christian Yelich. They had some bats there. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't Atlanta. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, could his 100 RBI pace, all of a sudden it's a 65 RBI pace. And so you start to wonder, like, how much is that going to ding him? But no, he he performed well. And it's one of those guys that when you looked at the numbers, he had good average exit velocity. <clears throat> putting the bat on the ball really well. Good barrel rate. Makes great hard contact and makes good zone contact, which, again, all of these things, when you combine them together, it can seem a little obvious, but it's also one of the things that a lot of people probably aren't going out and being like, okay, I need to find these guys that have a, a good hard hit rate and 
barrel rate and zone contact rate. And you can actually go on Statcast and you can sort like uh, leaderboards by just those, just those specific like custom. You can make custom leaderboards just these specific stats that you want to look at, and you can break it down that way. Little hint, hint for those listening. And you can see the guys that are excelling in the areas that you want them to, and you can kind of make a little mental note of guys like that. <laughs> but. At the end of the 2023 season was wild. It was a fun season. It's been a fun postseason so far. For sure. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little. Do you have any... It could be a yes or no. Is there anybody in the second half of this season that kind of stood out to you that you kind of have your eye on a little bit for next season? Admittedly, I haven't dove deep enough into that yet. But just off vibes, if you Love give vibes. me a minute, yeah, if you give me a minute, let me think. I'm going to throw it back to you, and then you <laughs> give me a player because I guarantee you I'm not going to pick the same one. Like, give me a minute. All right. So for me, it's probably Royce Lewis. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. If you listened Mr. to Salami. my former podcast, I – wasn't as high on Royce Lewis as a lot of people. One, because he couldn't stay healthy. And two, because I felt like he fell into that category of guys that are a good baseball player, but not a good fantasy baseball player. I was not expecting him to hit four grand slams in like 10 days. And now all of a sudden just be an elite option at shortstop. I wasn't expecting that. And so he's somebody that I am going to be diving into heavily this offseason to kind of break down and see if he just got the bat on the ball at a couple crucial moments and it's inflating his stats or see if maybe there's some changes in there that he made in some of those rehab assignments and stuff that clicked because he is one of those young guys. Well, yeah, young and he's always had, he's just always had the injury problems. Yeah. Very Byron Buxton esque. I know they're on the same team, but it's kind of the same vibe, big power, big injury concerns. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this really, and he, he got hurt to end the year, but, uh, Matt McLean in Cincinnati is another player I'm excited about. Um, with all the hype Ellie Dela Cruz was getting and all the rookies that they were bringing up, Matt McLean might've been the best of the bunch. Yeah. And so in a rookie campaign, with 365 at-bats, hitting 290s, 16 bombs, 14 RBIs, just in a small sample size and that small of a frame. I mean, this isn't a guy we were talking about like the LE, but he also does have the first-round pedigree like um, like Royce Lewis does. Mm-hmm. May not have all the flashy stuff, but dude is a ball player. He gets the job done, plays the game well, and – He's scrappy. He's going to, yeah, 14 stolen bases on the year two. Like, he's going to he's gonna do a lot of good things on the field. I'm excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah, he's a great one. And he's going currently, I'm just going based off Mike Curlin's tweets where he posts about where he's picking guys in his 2024 drafts that he's doing during the 2023 postseason. Uh, I think Matt McClain went in the fifth round. Of drafts, and I'm gonna be honest. If he's going in the fifth round of drafts, come like 
real draft season, I'm going to have so many shares of Matt McClain. It's not even funny. Well, he, this, we're, we got a keeper league going on still, right? That That's our oh, plan. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's on locks. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's one of them. That's, that's a good one for you. Yeah. That's a good one for you. Yeah. And I traded him to you for freaking. That was for McKenzie. Tristan, Tristan McKenzie. Oh. That was a snag. He didn't even Thank start you for, for me. <laughs> Thank you for that one. Yeah. Every trade I made in that league went horribly for me. Horrible. Outside of uh, trading Sean oh, Murphy for one, so Couldn't have gone too bad. Yeah, you got you know Julio. You traded for Altuve. No. <laughs> it, I no. traded for Bryce Harper. No. Stop that. Uh, but appreciate everybody who stuck around to listen for this Monday's episode of the podcast. Uh, it will be going up Monday, but a lot of you probably listening on Tuesday. So what up to our Tuesday listeners as well? If you guys like what you hear, please hit that five star rating button on whatever uh, podcast platform you listen on. Uh, if you want to leave a review, that goes a long way as well. Hit follow on all of our socials. You can hit us up on Twitter at fake baseball. Uh, we're on TikTok and Instagram, at Fake Instagram Baseball Pod. Yep. Instagram is officially live, so go follow us over there. Uh, we are on Facebook kind of as well. We're having some technical difficulties there, but it, it, it'll be back running here soon. And we are going to plan on having two more episodes this week, so be on the lookout for a jam-packed schedule from us this week. And until then, we will catch you guys next time.